0: A really warm welcome to you all this morning.
1: The reading comes this morning in the middle of a story. So, so far the story has been of Peter's dream. Do you remember the dream he had um, of the animals and the sheets as it came down? And Cornelius and his encounter with God. And we pick up the story where God is bringing them together from Acts chapter 10. Thank you, Karen.
2: So it's Acts chapter 10, um, verse 23. Peter invited the men in and persuaded them to spend the night there. The next day, he got ready and went with them and some of the believers from Joppa along with him. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, where Cornelius was waiting for him, together with relatives and close friends that he'd invited. As Peter was about to go in, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and bowed before him. But Peter made him rise. Stand up, he said. I myself am only a man. Peter kept on talking to Cornelius as he went into the house where he had found many people gathered. He said to them, you yourselves know very well that a Jew is not allowed by his religion to visit or associate with Gentiles, but God has shown me that I must not consider any person richly unclean or defiled. And so, when you sent for me, I came without any objection. I ask you then, why do you send for me? Cornelius said, It was about this time, three days ago, that I was praying in my house at three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man dressed in shining clothes stood in front of me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and has taken notice of your works of charity. Send someone to Joppa for a man whose full name is Simon Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon, the tanner of leather who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you at once and you have been good enough to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God, waiting to hear anything the Lord has instructed you to say. Peter began to speak. I now realise that it is true that God treats everyone on the same basis. Those who worship him and do what is right are acceptable to him, no matter what race they belong to. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know of the great events that took place throughout the land of Israel, beginning in Galilee after John preached his message of baptism. You know about Jesus of Nazareth and how God poured on him the Holy Spirit and power. He went everywhere, doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the land of Israel and in Jerusalem. Then they put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from death three days later and caused him to appear, not to everyone, but only to the witnesses that God had already chosen, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from death. And he commanded us to preach the gospel to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has anointed judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets spoke about him, saying that all who believe in him will have their sins forgiven through the power of his name. While Peter was still speaking, The Holy Spirit came down on all those who were listening to this message. These are the words of the Lord.
1: Thank you, you, Karen. Can I invite you, Rupert, to come and bring God's word to us? And Can I just pray for you before you do that?
3: Yes, please.
1: Lord, I thank you for my brother, Rupert. I thank you for his willingness to serve you this year in that role as president. Thank you for all of the seeds he's sown around the nation. And now, Lord, we ask you to bring your word to us. A word that you promised would not go out and come back empty. Mm -hmm. Would you speak to us, Lord, through Rupert? Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. I need the... um Remote control. Thank you, the presenter. And you point over there, do you? When you just press it, right? Okay, that's fine. Sorry, I need to clarify one or two basic things before I start, or else I'll end up in a mess somewhere. And thank you for the uh, invitation. It is good to be here. It is a joy to be here. Uh, I've been doing this now for about a year, and as I said a short while ago, uh, this really is my last weekend. Uh, When I would be uh, visiting churches before the uh, assembly, which is coming up very soon, uh, in Harrogate, uh, when I will be succeeded by Diane uh, Titball, a name you might well know in these parts. Uh, And so, yes, it's good. Good. And it's good to come and share with you. And I I hadn't appreciated that you were celebrating your 50th uh, year anniversary, or it's a whole year of celebration. Is that right? That's the way to do it, isn't it? A year of celebration. Brilliant. 50 years of God's faithfulness. That's good news. And we've got a past pastor here, uh, I I heard. Fifty years of uh, uh, lives being touched and lives being transformed by the gospel. That's something indeed uh, to celebrate. Fifty years of discipleship and trust in God. Uh, That's pretty good going. And that is indeed something uh, to celebrate. Um, And it's good that you are. Because it's good to spend time reflecting that way, to giving thanks to God. And it's good also to honor those who've gone before. Uh, to honor them because we build ministries on those who've gone before, do we not? And we're grateful for those whose vision it was uh, in, you know, this place and who's ministered here. And of course, they've passed the baton on to us. And here we are now. And it's good to come uh, and to share with you and to be a part of that. My theme has been about being anointed to do good. Our text this morning is found... um, uh, in a piece of scripture where we are told that God doesn't have favorites. Uh, God has, is not into favoritism. And I've chosen this picture because this picture reminds me of that Revelation 7 uh, image and passage of heaven where there are people of tribes and nations and tongues all coming together. Um, I find that a very helpful um, reminder. I find this image a helpful image. Because as I have been a pastor now for a good number of years, uh, I have been seeking by the grace of God to build what I'm calling multicultural churches. Churches which recognize people from different nations, people with different tongues, people with different cultures. To be honest with you, every church should be a multicultural church. In the sense of every church consists of people of different cultures. Every church. In our nation, we are preoccupied with the whole black and white thing and the whole ethnic thing. So we've focused on that aspect of it. Um, But it's really bigger than that. And this um, text that I'm bringing you today really is found in that passage where God is saying, I recognize all people and I'm here for all people of all nations. It's in that context that we see Peter, who is a Jew going to Cornelius, who is a Gentile. The two are not supposed to come together. And in that context, we see and we hear what he has to say. Peter says of Jesus, how he was anointed uh, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And I would want to explore that with you for the next uh, short while. Jesus went around doing good. It's not a fancy word, is it? It's it's not a presidential kind of word, doing good. It's a naff kind of word, quite frankly, to say, did good. And yet, I think at the end of my life, I would be delighted if people were to say, off Rupert, He went around when he wasn't being naughty. (laughs) He went around doing good. That's what was said of Jesus. He went around doing good. What is he getting at? I want to try to extrapolate from that. And I want to go and dig a bit deeper to see what is into this uh, doing good thing. I want to suggest to you that doing good is about going around promoting well-being. Helping people uh, you know, encouraging shalom and well-being and wholeness with God. Uh, Going around doing good is about helping people. Going around doing good is about uh, knitting or preparing clothes for premature babies and all the other good works that we do. Going around doing good. It's about healing people. It's about healing people. Jesus went around plucking people from Satan's hold. Because Satan had got a hold of them and they were lost to their sin. And Jesus came and Jesus was encouraging them. And as it were taking them out of Satan's hole into the loving embrace of God. That's doing good. Doing good, I want to suggest to you my friends, it's a proactive word. It's a word which is about love. It's a word which is about acceptance. It's a word which is about forgiveness. It captures all those things. Jesus went around doing good. The thing about doing good is that after a while, especially if you've been doing it for a long time and you don't see much result, you get fed up. Uh, Or is this me being naughty again? You just get tired you just get fed up helping people nobody bothers to say thank you nobody acknowledges you nobody anything and you think oh what's the point I have those kind of dark seasons can I be that honest with you this morning or is that the kind of place I shouldn't go pastor I, I'm. To be honest. thank you I'm going to go there I'm going to go there I've got permission now I think the apostle Paul would want to say to us, right into the church in Thessalonica, this is what he said to them, would want to say to us, never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. Especially those of us who have been saints for many years. Some of us have grown tired. And we want to say, look, it's for the young people, I just want to pass it on. I think the Apostle Paul would want to say to you, don't get tired of doing good. Don't not get tired of doing good. He wasn't say the same thing uh, to the church in Galatia. Don't get wary of doing good. You get the impression that the Apostle Paul has got a one-track mind. Guys, don't get tired. The reason why he's saying it, to me, is obvious. Because he knows that we're feeling it. <laughs> Especially in the church where it's always the 20% of the people who's doing all the work. And all the others are just enjoying a nice time in the church, but doesn't seem to want to do the work. And you want to say, please, somebody else here. Well, at least that's the way it is in his barnet. Maybe not at Thomas Helwes, I don't know. They'll get tired of doing good. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. It says, spur each other on to good. Spur each other on to good. Do you know, I, I've been reflecting a lot on that over the past year as I've been traveling. And I know in, in, in churches I've pastored and in churches I've visited, uh, there's so many things that goes on and I don't see too much spurring on to good. I see lots of spurring on to complain and to whinge. I'll be honest with you. I'll be very honest with you. Pastor's giving me permission. She might regret that. But I see where we wind each other up to complain about any manner of stuff. But I don't see much spurring each other on to do good. When was the last time you've been to a, a gross group, a, a house group, or a small group, or something like that, a Bible study, and in an accountable manner, somebody uh, asked you anything about your spiritual growth and development? When was the last time that happened? Oh, we will talk about the fact that I support Spurs. Spurs lost to Chelsea yesterday. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, oh, we'll talk about any manner of stuff. We'll talk about the election that uh, has been thrown upon us. Uh, we'll talk about Trump, uh, those who meet presidents, American presidents. We'll talk about all manner of stuff. But when was the last time have you asked somebody, how is your devotional life? And yet we say, we say, and we mean it, But we say, our faith is just about the most important thing in our life. And yet we do not talk to each other about it. We don't spur each other on to good things about it. We talk about everything under the sun. But not about how we do it in our faith. Isn't that concerning? I remember for years, my mother, um, back in Edmonton, my home church, For years she wouldn't hang around the church after the morning service. And as a young lad I would never understand because I wanted to hang around and eat cakes and have fun and mom just wants to go straight home. And later on I got to realize one of the reasons why and the main reason was because she just felt that after the service too many people were too busy slagging off too many things about the church. And she didn't want to be a part of it. So she'll take us home immediately. Now, I don't know what happens in this church. But I know church and I know Christians and I know people. Where is the spurring each other on? And I need to move on because I have a whole sermon to speak. So I don't don't know where I'm going with this. But where is the spurring each other on to good works? The apostle, sorry, not the apostle, whoever writes the um, the church in uh, Hebrews, they say, look, spur each other on. Two good works. And then, of course, our Lord himself in Matthew 5, that great uh, Sermon on the Mount, that wonderful piece of literature, great teaching from Jesus. He says, let your light shine so that they may see your good deeds, your good works. And so, praise Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Let your good works shine. Let it shine. I need to move on because, well, no, I'm going to say one more. Let me go one more. Take the Apostle Paul and write it again to to Ephesus in the church there. For we are God's masterpiece, created to do good works. I like the thought of that. Long before you and I even thought of the Lord or thought of anything, he's been thinking of us and he's thought of works and good works for us to be doing. Long before he knew that I would be here sharing with you, he knew we'd be eating cakes and a meal later on today. He knew the sort of things that you'd be doing. God is all-knowing. Well, that's what we say, isn't it? That's what we believe. He's prepared in advance for us to do. It's about doing good. But let me move on, because I think you've got the message about doing good. Doing good, then, it's relational. It applies to people everywhere. Because God loves people. Church, do you love people? You sure about that? Because this side is more short than this side so far. <laughs> it always is. uh uh-huh. Okay. By the end of this morning, they're going to be more short than you. I'm feeling it. <laughs> uh, God loves people. And I believe that God was broken hearted when we rebelled all those years ago. I believe that God's heart was broken When we rebel going back into the garden and it was painful for God. And salvation history is all about a God who is trying and seeking to restore. And God has used many different ways to restore us ultimately in and through Jesus Christ. Only last week we were celebrating his death and his resurrection. God has come to restore us that we may be in a right relationship with him. This is salvation story. Now, I need to tell you, I am in no doubt that God longs for his children to come back to a proper and full realization of who they are in Christ. And one of the things I would suggest to you, because I know it's true for me, and I believe it's true to many, many Christians, if not all Christians, is that we do not have a proper and full understanding A genuine understanding of who we are in Christ. You see, sadly, so many of us are so scarred by the past. The past which is full of all its hurts. The past which is full of disappointments. The past which is full of uh, dreams which haven't been uh, realized. Shattered dreams. That we no longer know who we are in Christ. And this morning sitting here, most of us, if not all of us, are shaped by our past. I am shaped by my past. We are shaped by our past. And something of the negativity of the past. And some of us are trapped by the past. The things of the past. Because our whole perception and understanding of who we are has become so distorted, so jaundiced, so badly manipulated and used by Satan that we're stuck somewhere in the past. Because of all the stuff which has happened to us in the past. And yet, Scripture has a very different thing to say to you and to me. And this morning I want to explore that with you, albeit uh, briefly. The Lord says that we are the salt of the earth. I wonder how you think of yourself. As the salt of the earth. I wonder if you recognize how important your saltiness is to the earth. Which is why the Lord, our Lord himself says, don't lose your saltiness. Because you'd be good for nothing if you do. I wonder if you realize just how you stop the decay of this world, of this earth. Because of your saltiness. Yes, your saltiness. You, yes, you. I'm talking to you. Every one of you. This world will rot away even quicker without you. Your saltiness is getting in. And it's stopping the rot. And it's stopping the decay. Your saltiness. You are the light of the world. You carry the light of Jesus. When you walk into a room, what does light do? It pushes back darkness. You push back the darkness. Yes, you push back the darkness. This is not Rupert getting excited about something that he is dreaming up here. This is what the Lord has said about you. You are the light of the world. You lighten up this world. That's how the Lord has declared it. And so there are a number of other things there. You are joined here with Christ, you're a minister of reconciliation, you're chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Christ's ambassadors, and I can go on like that for quite a while. A new creation, you have the mind of Christ, it says in two Corinthians 1 Corinthians 2. So much I can say about who scripture declares us to be. This is who we are. I just wonder, when you looked at yourself in the mirror this morning, is that what you saw? Because most of us don't really like much of what we see. Most of us. And most of us sitting in churches don't think we have an awful lot to give because half the time, if not most of the time, if not all the time, we're too busy thinking about what was as to who God has declared us to be in and through Jesus. You know, you need to talk to people like Moses and he will tell you. He will tell you about what God sees you. and He will tell you of the God who takes you for who you are. And he will tell you about the God who when you complain, he says, okay, I will give you your brother. And when you complain some more, he says, okay, what's in your hand? And he says, a piece of wood. He said, okay, we'd use that, that the power of God might be displayed. God will say, Moses, whatever you say, I'm journeying with you because Moses, it's you I've come to raise up. And, whenever, and whatever excuse that you and I make this morning, God comes to say to you, but it's you I come for. It's you I'm raising up. You belong to me in and through Jesus. You are my child. And I've come to journey with you. I've come to build my kingdom through you. I've come to do work through you. Yes, you, with all your failings, with all your shortcomings. Yes, you. And I'm comforted by that because you've heard about my pig riding thing this morning. As a little country boy coming from, I was talking uh, with Pastor Mark about this. We were reminiscing because we were at Spurgeons together, studying together. We were in the same batch at Spurgeons. But uh, just reminiscing as a little country boy coming from the Caribbean, uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself and to remind myself that yes, it's me. God has raised me up for such a moment as this. So all what I share with you, I have to work it through too. This is who God has declared you to be. Where am I? So I want to explore that with you. Because I think it's important we get a right understanding of who we are. You might be saying, uh, who me, I really can't do that much. It's just little me. Well, can I ask you this? Have any of you ever been... Uh, In bed with a mosquito. Because if you have. And some of you have. You will know this little mosquito will drive you. As little as it is. You'll be out of there like a flash. Don't come telling me little things don't make a difference. Little things make a big difference. Yes. You. Yes you. God has come for you. He's invested himself in you. He's made you in his image. Bad things have happened along the way. But God has not given up on you. And God still longs to do his kingdom work through you. We are his hands and his feet and his eyes. As one person once said. As our union, we are encouraged to... um, Build uh, healthy churches in relationship together for mission. And I think that's a a beautiful thing. Because it reminds us that mission is what we are about. It's about reaching out and letting others know of this wonderful God. Letting our light shine, not putting it under a bushel. Uh, It's allowing our saltiness to be in all such things. uh, Bearing fruit for Jesus. And we do it together as a family. And it's good that we are a part of the family. And thank you again for inviting me uh, that I may... Uh, Continue to be a reminder to you and to all those whom I visited, because that's what presidents do, that we are a family together, a union consisting of associations and uh, churches and colleges, belonging together, as we were told earlier on at the beginning of the service. Together we make a significant difference and impact in our nation. And I always say, uh, at the beginning I started, so I will finish by saying, uh, not the sermon, you understand, I'm finishing my pator. Um, the sermon's nearly finished, but not quite. Um, uh, by saying that, like any family, if not all families, there are issues and there are things that we don't always agree on. We see things differently. But like all families, we're called to be a people of reconciliation. We are ministers of reconciliation, the word says to us. And so it's up to us to talk and to pray and to discern and find ways to stay together and work things through. As opposed to just getting the ump and walking away uh, from each other. And so, uh, bless you and thank you for the invitation. Jesus went around doing good. Let me suggest some things to you um, very quickly. I think that means that Jesus was putting other people's interests before his own. I think that suggests that Jesus laid aside his rights and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That great uh, Philippian hymn that tells us that. Jesus did not consider his status uh, in that way. But actually, he, um, he lowered himself. He humbled himself becoming a servant. I think all of that is captured in this comment that Jesus went around doing good. You see, if you're full of yourself you cannot go around blessing each other. If you're full of yourself, you cannot go around watching each other's feet because you wouldn't do it. Because the disciples didn't do it. Because they were full of themselves. But Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing where he came from, knowing where he was going, he was able to say, you know something guys, I am secure in myself. I will wash your feet. When you're secure in yourself, you could do the dirty jobs. You can do the menial jobs when you're secure in who you are and knowing who you are. Church, know who you are this morning in Jesus. Know who you are. Know where you came from and know where you're going. And so, go around doing good. I want you to listen to this, please, my friends, and to hear it clearly. That which Jesus did, we are called to do too. It's our mission too. Earlier on, we had a reading about uh, Jesus, the one who's our master and our Lord. And, and we say, do we not, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This side is still stronger than that side. Just working on it in case you think I've given up on the idea that I'm praying quietly to the Spirit. is going to give you a bit of oomph. <laughs> Just having some fun, folks. I hope I'm not going too far with my fun. <laughs> You say God is the same forever. Now here's the thing. Jesus came. He was full of the Holy Spirit and power. I like to explore with churches, do you think you have power? Do you think you have power? And this is what normally happens. Either we're all too humble well, nobody wants to admit that they've got power. Do you know that God says you've got power? Acts one eight, Jesus, post-resurrection appearance, he says to them, "Go, I'll meet you in Galilee." And he says the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, what will He give? Power. This side is getting louder than this side. Hallelujah! Answered prayer. power so church why would you not want to admit that you've got power in Jesus what is your fear what is your concern what is the misunderstanding why would we not say we have power and I leave you to work this through with your pastor I just cause trouble wherever I go and run away quickly eat the food and run away and when she, if she has problems, which she wants, she'll call Mark to help. That's fine, I'll just run away. <laughs> You're powerful people. Because the Bible says so. Powerful to do the things of God. Powerful to go and live for Jesus. Power in the sense that courage comes. And all those things that come that we may actually fulfill the mission that God has set for us. He's given us power. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power. Power to go around demonstrating God's compassion and God's mercy. Power to pray for your brother or your sister. And in the name of Jesus, see healing. Because Jesus went around healing people. And what Jesus did, we are to do too. We have power for that. And don't come telling me, please. Well, pastor, we've stopped praying for healing because some people didn't get healed. Well, have you stopped praying? Because I've prayed some prayers that never got answered, but I haven't stopped praying. So why have we stopped praying for healing? Why? Why? We have. And yet Jesus did it. And he says, and we say, whatever our Lord does, we want to do too. Because he's our Lord and he's our master and we emulate him, we copy him. And yet we draw the line when it comes to power and when it comes to healing. And I don't get it. And lots of clever people with lots of big words have given lots of big explanations why, and I don't buy it. Because my Bible tells me otherwise. You powerful people, please, may I this morning remind you do not allow Satan to deceive you. He will want you to think you're washed up, he'd want you to think you're a husband. He'd want you to think you don't have any power. He would want you to think that you are the sum total of all your mistakes in the past. And yet God comes to give you, John 10.10, to give you life and life in all its fullness. That you may go in the strong, in the mighty, in the powerful name of Jesus and do good. In other words, minister, be a blessing to His people. I don't really know where I am with these slides. I always get carried away and for a year I've got this wrong. So so it's been said that uh, to tell the truth, we must show the truth. Uh, Or people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think there's a lot of truth in that. For too long, we have relied on words. As an evangelical people, we've relied on words. By the way, can I just please... Make it clear this morning, what's the time? I nearly finished. Can I just make it clear this morning that I'm not talking about salvation by works? For those of you who are astute Bible scholars who are thinking, whoa, is he preaching you're going to get saved by doing good works? No, that's not what I'm saying. If you heard me well, you would hear this all about in and through Jesus. For too long, we've relied on mere words and just words. And I think it's been damaging. I think we're living in an age now where we need to be careful because now we're relying too much on just good works and we're not bringing any words in. And I think we need to be careful. (laughs) I think it's important to do many good things in the community as your church is, as, as my church is doing too, and rightly so too. But friends, there comes a time when you have to use words too. It's a happy marriage of both. Please, may I just... Make an appeal for that. I believe it's the proclamation and the demonstration uh, of Jesus which made perfect evangelism. Jesus didn't talk it. He did it. He didn't just uh, uh, heal people. He had words to say to them too. It was both coming together. So may I just encourage us to hold that together. It's something I struggle with uh, in my own church because like all of us, Uh, It's a sign of the times in which we're living in. But anyway, let me try to wrap this sermon up. If I could find out where I am in my notes, because I don't know where I am. So, it was uh, Mother Teresa who said, uh, God still loves the world today through you and me. And this is my hope for us as Baptists. Baptists together. This is my hope for us. That we grab hold of the truth of who we are in Jesus. Jesus. And we live that truth in the big ways and in the small ways. A quick story. Let's assume, what have you got around here? A little, waitress uh, 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 Waitrose, uh, Sainsbury's, Tesco. You go into one of these supermarkets, there are others around. And let's say that uh, uh, you go in there and, 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 you, and you meet somebody. And, and this person is standing there. This person is, let's say that they are vertically challenged. They're short. And they want to get their favorite soup. But their favorite soup is where? The top shelf. Oh boy. So they've gone to their supermarket. And they can't reach their top shelf to get their soup. And you've come along. And you've helped them to get their top top shelf to get the soup for them. Let's assume that this brother, this sister, this person is a Christian. Let me tell you what you've just done. You've just done a wonderful thing in your good works. Because that morning when they got up, they were praying, Lord, they always put my favorite soup on the top shelf. Please send somebody to get my soup. Somebody. Why can't they put the other flavors up there? You would have come along. You would have answered that person's prayer. Confirmed their faith. Restore them in their journey as they continued. All because you did good by reaching up top and passed down some soup. But let's assume that this person is not a believer. Not a person of faith. Uh, Lauren Singerhurst in his book, Sowing, Reaping, Keeping, tells us that we live in these times where you have to do at least seven acts of good works. Before people are warming up to the things of God and things of God in that way. So, I don't know where this person is in the chain of things. But you, by reaching up and passing it, becomes this person who takes them to the next link in the chain. If it was minus seven, they've got to minus six. And if it wasn't zero, they're going to one in the other direction, in the positive direction. And you have warmed them up and someday... This person is going to be sitting in a church somewhere, in a Bible study or something, and they're going to testify. You know, I remember one day when somebody helped me with a tin of soup. Now I know it was God. Are you with me? You're still not sure, are you? It does happen, my sisters and brothers. It does happen. Have this expectation in your heart. This is how God works. You and I never know how the kingdom is at work with the little things that we do. You don't always have to tell people the four spiritual laws to think that you're doing something for Jesus. But there is a time to tell them something about the four spiritual laws. So, to finish. I'm not even going to comment about uh, doing the greater things. Uh, I just want to say, let's just do the things that we're called to do. And then, let me... Make this quotation to you. Because I quite like this. John Wesley. He says do all the good you can. By all the means you can. In all the ways you can. In all the places you can. At all the times you can. To all the people you can. As long as ever you can. Do good. Because you are anointed. To do good. And. As you do it. As it was for Jesus, Acts 10, 38, says Peter. How did he do it? Because God was with him. Matthew 20, 20, Jesus says, And lo, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. Do good. Remember, Jesus is with you. And remember, he's given you all the tools to do the good. Jesus before you, Satan behind you. Don't let him take you back there with all the bad stuff. You move forward with the good stuff. My friend from Hartlepool, uh, and with this I'm definitely finishing, he used to say, and I loved it when he said it, I could never quite say it like him, he used to say, with our Lord Jesus, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. God bless you as you go in his name to do good.
1: Thank you, Rupert. It reminds me of the word that Mark's carrying at the moment as well, that God wants to do immeasurably more than we can imagine. But he needs a response from us. We've been stirred and we've been challenged. Let's respond, if we can, with the words of this next song together. Let's stand and sing. I will offer up my life. It'll be good before we finish to bring our prayers for our world with those words ringing in our hearts. Let's pray. Loving God, we think of our world and we hold it before you. And we recognize, Lord, that sometimes we are the answers to our very prayers. So this morning we pray for those who are desperate And in need of a touch of your love in action. Your transformation of their lives. And we remember that we're anointed for good. We hold before you the African nations where famine is ravaging lives. We hold before you the warring nations where violence and hatred and power and control stalk. And we remember that we are anointed for good. Cause us to pray, Lord. Bring us to our knees. Show us what we can do. Lord, we hold before you our own nation where fear and poverty and power play out in the homes and on our streets. And we remember that we are anointed for good. But as Rupert says, sometimes we lack those words. Would you cause us to have courage and strength and loosen our tongues? We hold before you those we love and those we care about. Those who are sick and bereaved. Particularly we think of Zelda's family and the funeral on Tuesday. But Lord, we ask for your healing. For we are anointed for good. We ask you to come and restore those we know and love. Lord, we bring these prayers in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sing our final song together. Um, I changed it this morning and I've confused everybody. Um, I'd like us to sing I the Lord of Sea and Sky again as a response to what we've heard so let's stand and sing that the words should be next there (laughs) wonderful, let's stand and sing Hallelujah. I know cake is calling, and I know food smells good, but I want you to just dwell for a moment. I really feel quite stirred about this, that if God is speaking to you this morning, if you are responding, and you would like someone to pray with you, then there'll be a prayer team here to pray with you, and take that step. Take that moment, take that time um, to do that. So just on alert for anyone who's in that prayer ministry team, for people to um, make a response um, to God. It is good. We started with those words, big Baptist family. And I think as a Baptist family of uh, national and local um, and regional together, we should finish with the grace. So let's say the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.